This episode of That Does Suit Madam is brought to you by the Coventry Package Holiday Company. Do you have a friend planning to vote Republican this fall? Why not buy them a vacation and send them to Coventry? Mr. Brandon, are you free? I'm free! Hey, I'm Jeff. And I'm Brandon, and this is That Does Suit Madam, a podcast about Are You Being Served? Hello, Unanimous. Hello, Jeff. Hello, Brandon. Hello, Unanimous. Woo! I was a very, um, uh, what's the word? A vibrato-ish free today. I don't know. It's, it was. Uh, it was. Woo. I took notice of that. Yeah. Yeah. Another week. How exciting. A great episode this time. This is a really good episode. You know, I, th- I feel like la- la- last week's episode was okay. Um, I think also just coming down from uh, the high of... Uh, our namesake episode, uh, but I this know. is a pretty good one. This is pretty memorable because I think it really paints um, Mr. Granger in a very sympathetic light. Well, in a lot of different lights, actually. Uh, yes. Um, there is one scene in this episode where the last scene of the last shot of the camera on the last of the scene is zoomed in on his poor little pitiful little puppy dog face. And then the first scene, the first image of the next scene is the same face in the canteen. And he looks like he's crying and he's got these like little old man spectacles and it's just so sad. (laughs) I'm like, Mr. Humphreys, I just can't take it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've got a whole bunch of new listeners who've joined us, so we want to thank Mona and Kevin and Nick for joining us. Um, Hello, people. And all the rest unanimous. of the unanimous. You're called unanimous, there. so you're new, so you'll have to learn the way <laughs> we work. You're, you're the unanimous collectively. So welcome aboard, folks. Uh, also, um, we pushed out like a little bonus episode, you might have noticed on your smart device, iPhone, Android, whatever. Um, Right after we pushed out the last episode, there was a bonus of about like a five-minute little nugget um, where we explained the new fabulous Clue-like board game. We have to be very careful about legal stuff here, Jeff. Yep. It's a game that's very similar to a game that reminds us of the game Clue. The trademark and property law, intellectual property law in northern Mississippi is very, very strict. So Yeah, it's this whole weird, yeah, it's a, it's a thing. But anyway, so um, superfan Ursula and her like rather large Are You Being Served loving family and siblings, they made a Are You Being Served version of Clue when they were younger. And um, she sent us like the board game, like an image of it, and I thought, that's cool as shit. What if we had the unanimous listeners contribute their own drawings for for the the player cards. You remember Jeff the, the the three different types of cards, right? I don't yeah. remember which they were though. Yeah, no, I think that's a really cool idea. Um, so if you've got some artistic talent, shoot us an email at the does suit madam with an e at gmail.com and we'll try and get it together. Yeah, out, so there's outside the, the lift doors at five thirty. Exactly. So there's the character cards. Um, the people who do the killing of uh, old Mr. Grace. There's the weapon cards and also the room cards. So if you haven't uh, heard the little bonus bit, you can go to our Facebook page. I'll post something there or just go and find the little bonus episode. So we're just looking for artists and it'll be kind of fun. So we thought it would involve the unanimous. Yeah. So yes, unanimous, you've all done very well. And yeah, you've all done very well. Let's take this opportunity to remind you all to please, please, please wear a mask, wash your hands, Register to vote, and as always, Black, Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. And Gladys agrees. And Gladys matters, yeah. Yes, and Gladys matters. Um, it's funny because there's, there's a lot of things about this episode that we've sort of like planted seeds already. Listeners, you may not, you may not know that we've planted seeds already, but there's like, what, three things we're going to circle we've back We've been building up on. to, or, yeah. Yeah, we've, we've been planning for you all. So. Yeah. So what's going on with this episode, Jeff? What's going on? What are we looking at? we are going to talk today about Season 4, Episode 3, Forward Mr. Granger. And that premiered on April 22nd, 1976. Take us back. What was going on that week? So that week in the news, um, the Ramones released their first album. Oh. Yeah. I, I... 
I don't know why I thought that they were around a little bit longer than that. I didn't think that they were really making their entrance in the late 70s, but I guess they were really capitalizing on that kind of um, disco sucks movement, right? Yeah, because Elvis died, was it 77 or 76? I don't remember. So yeah. um, ironically, where I'm at the moment, you know, what I'm not in northern Mississippi, I mean, <laughs> um, the Ramones went to the high school up the street from me, and it's actually called the Ramones Way, like right in front of the school. Really? Okay. Yeah, a little New York street cred there. Interesting. Kind of cool. All right. Um, also this week, Lorne Michaels, uh, the producer of Saturday Night Live, he made an offer live on the show of $3,000 to Paul McCartney and John Lennon for the Beatles to reunite. Yeah, that's right. I, um, I'm a giant Beatles fan. I know there's a couple of other Beatles fanatics out there, too. Um, what was the, fe- the nice fellow who sent us the voicemail that we played on, this, on the show? Um, Nick, Mr. Greg. Mr. Mike from Pittsburgh? Mm, yes. I know it was one syllable. I don't know. <laughs> um, sorry there. But, uh, yeah, so the Beatles are really cool. And, um, you know, of course, sadly, John Lennon was shot and killed outside of his home on October the 9th, 1980. And this was, you know, three and a half years before that. So back then, the Beatles could have gotten back together. And it was kind of a – I think it was almost – it, the fact that Lorne Michaels did this live on the sh- on the show was kind of a joke because the Beatles were like wealthy beyond like, their wildest dreams, and he's like, "I'll give you three thousand dollars to come into the sh- to studio and, and reunite." And it was so crazy that it was kind of cool. And if you go and watch the Beatles anthology, you'll see Paul McCartney say, "You know, we kind of thought about it," and I think he was like hungry and he was gonna he'd rather go get dinner than go to midtown well, that's because linda wouldn't cook him any meat oh now we're getting hate mail from all the vegans <laughs> thanks jeff we love uh all types of food and uh lack thereof as well yeah so anyway that was kind of cool thank you for and planting that, another c yeah thank you for putting that together because i totally didn't understand th- obviously it was a joke for him to do that for such a lowball yeah. offer right because that three thousand dollars is worth about fourteen thousand dollars today i'm like I don't know any musician that would get out of bed for that kind of money. So Yeah, and the funny thing is both John – so John Lennon lived in New York in the Dakota building. And yeah. then Paul McCartney, you know, he has houses everywhere. And he was in town. And I think it kind of made news uh, that they were both in town. I think he maybe been been seen. Of course, you know, this is – you know, the Beatles in the 70s, they were – young and hip and you know they anywhere they went they would probably make the papers there we go yeah okay well our episode opens um midday uh which is which is unusual for us isn't it mr brandon it is it is it is mr jeff yes you're right it is unusual because we usually get these opening first thing in the morning we get to see everyone arrive we just did a bit you see didn't we jeff <laughs> we did a humphreys lucas thing where where it's rather hot out there, isn't it, Mr. Humphreys? Oh, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is, Mr. Lucas. So uh, one of the customers has bought a pair of shoes, and uh, he's told that if the shoes pinch, you can bring them back. And Mr. Lucas chimes in, well, yeah, you bring them back, and I'll give you the name of my chiropodist. Uh, because we get that classic line that this is a penny-pinching company, and they don't give refunds for anything. <laughs> um, chiropodist yeah. is an old-fashioned word for podiatrist. And technically, they're the same person, but I guess in my mind, I always associate chiropodist with um, the person you go to if you've got, like, an ingrown toenail or bunions, and, like, the podiatrist you go to if you've, like, torn your Achilles tendon. Do you know what I mean? It all sounds yucky to me, so... I'll just hope it never happens to me. (laughs) Uh, Mr. Humphreys gets a phone call at work, and it turns out that his parents have had a fight. Uh, And so he invites his mom to stay with him for a week. Um, And he's uh, she's been staying there and he can't she can't find his sewing kit. Uh, So he says, well, the sewing kit is in the piano stool. His pajamas. I keep mine. Well, I don't know about you, Jeff, but inside the piano forte stool. (laughs) Yes. I I'm trying to even think if I have a sewing kit. You know what? I probably I have a hotel sewing kit that's somewhere with like my hotel collection. Okay, question. Freebies. So yeah. when you were a kid, did your mom or, or grandma or somebody, auntie, have one of those little tomatoes where she stuck all the pins? The pin cushion, yes. With like a little baby tomato hanging off of it? I don't remember a baby tomato hanging off of it, but I do remember the tomato pin cushion. 
Just a memory that randomly flew through my brain as you said that. Carry on. I was expecting you to go for the Danish butter cookies tin. That's the oh, memory I was expecting yeah. you to go with. So I think maybe our younger children, um, 18 and over children, listeners, don't know what a Danish cookie tin meme is, do they? I, Why no, don't you do I, the pleasure? I, I, think that, I think that's pretty well known because it is pretty popular meme. It, it's, it's, it's one of those things where um, you, you won't – its contents will be unexpected based on the label. Like if you open a tin of Danish butter cookies expecting to find cookies inside, you'll be sorely mistaken because it's usually sewing supplies. <laughs> Just yeah. like if you go to open – you may go to open a – Tupperware of ice cream in the freezer and see that it's like leftovers stew or something. Yeah, it's cute because um, there's a lot of memes and stuff about it. Especially, I remember growing up as a kid, there'd be like country crock containers, you know, like that horrible butter stuff that's, well, I mean, it tastes delicious. Let's just be honest. Um, and you'd go to your grandma's place and there'd be like five or six different things of country crock in the uh, refrigerator. And you're never really sure it wasn't. You'd have to open every single one of us. The people in Britain, they're like, we don't know what you're talking about. No, they, they have it there, don't they? Country crock. Margarine? I don't know if they have country crock brands, but they have, they always have like, you know, call blimey, it's not butter. <laughs> <laughs> I love it because I'm sure because because Americans we think um, I can't believe it's not butter. Well, that they must have exactly the same <laughs> thing in England. Go blimey, that's not butter. <laughs> <laughs> and then they have the posh version. I rather do believe that's butter, isn't it? <laughs> Here at Waitrose. <laughs> okay. So uh, more caffeine is what I need. Are you caffeinated? I think I'm overly caffeinated. Oh, my. Carry on, Jeff. Carry on. So, um, Ms. Dumfries keeps his sewing kit in the piano stool. He keeps his pajamas inside his teddy bear, which apparently zips up the back, uh, and his slippers in the oven. And so Lucas is a little surprised, like, you know, you're keeping all these things where they don't belong. I keep my pajamas inside my basil brush, um, who was, this is apparently a children's show character, who was a fox puppet that spoke with a posh accent. So I guess like a... a he probably ad- uses that butter substitute we just mentioned. Right. A, a, an analog <laughs> to Paddington Bear, I guess. Oh, okay. Yeah, I never knew what Basil Brush was, but that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. It's funny because I love that um, Mr. Humphreys talks about his canopy bed. And I have to say, when I um, when one of my first apartments after I left home, I got a canopy bed. And Did you I feel like a like, queen? I felt like a damn royal queen because it's so regal and like every time like um scrooge and a christmas carol has a canopy bed like every king and every queen and every movie has a big canopy bed and i had like linen curtains that i could close if i wanted my privacy from what i don't know were you at risk (laughs) for malaria or something i didn't have mosquito nets (laughs) coming down from the ceiling but uh, if you ever want to feel fancy, get a canopy bed, like Mr. Humphreys. Maybe they could be the, our the sponsor lin- next week. Yeah, what does he say? The, um, the lace alone costs 100 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a oh. lot of money for, that's a lot of money back then. That's a lot of lace. Yeah. You got the whole ceiling to do? Anyway. Um, we cut over to Mr. <laughs> Rumbold's office, and he's on his fourth secretary. Uh, apparently, Miss Thorpe didn't last so long. Last uh, uh, past this season, well, she didn't sound very, very. She didn't sound very, very bright. Good. Right. No. Especially if she filed everything under A for A letter and A file and A report. A customer um, complaint. <laughs> um, this secretary doesn't even get a name, um, but the actress who played her yeah. was uh, Isabella Rye, and she's best known for the UK comedy show Joker's Wild which is not hmm. at all related to the U.S. game show. And so apparently the, the background behind uh, Joker's Wild was you had two comedians who would go head-to-head telling jokes. And the okay. idea was to, um, to buzz in against your opponent and finish the joke if you knew the punchline. Oh, that's, that's clever. And that's what, that's what got you points, right? And, that, and she was like the host. She was one of the presenters, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, it's funny because... Um, yeah, she's overflowing in her top, and she, it's just weird from, like, 2020 uh, perspective just to see, like, how overtly objectified ladies were, 
Yeah. You know, in the in the workplace. And 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 people and people catcalling them, but yeah. it's yeah. that it was uh, prevalent in the workplace, and that it was kind of unspokenly permitted. You know, it's yeah. Mr. Rumbled. Mr. Rumbled really never chastised Peacock for leering at his secretary. It was more about, pay attention to me, I've got something important to tell you. Right, right. and you know, we've talked a lot about misogyny and, and, you know, the idea of white supremacy and all of that on the episodes. And, you know, it's, it's a 50-year-old, uh, 45-year-old uh, TV show, and um, we love these characters, but I think it's good that we still kind of point this out, you know, like, and in fact, even um, there's a a group I'm on on online uh, about my neighborhood, and there was um, a car dealership kind of that, that people walk by because it's on the main street. And this woman posted that said, "Hey, ladies, um, every day I walk past this dealership, this car dealership, and every single day the people there, the the employees, cat call me, and I think that's crazy." And she organize like a little hey this is this is the company this is the car dealership let them know how you feel and all these awesome like neighbors of mine kind of showed up gathered together and i don't think they actually went there but they affected change and like they all apologized i think some people were fired and oh wow okay yeah so it's just, it's weird like knowing that just happened this week and now um seeing kind of this permissive behavior and it's sort of like you know the reason those guys were making were catcalling the women because no one actually said anything about it yep and just like mr rumble never chastised captain peacock so we're we're i think i always like to say we all behave in ways that we are allowed to behave there you go so this secretary um is about three inches taller than Peacock. And when she finally stands up off the desk, he's like, oh, good God. Like, he's a little taken aback that she's so tall, especially in her whatever heels she's wearing. Yeah. Um, they recognize each other because she actually used to work on young Mr. Grace's personal staff. But after his last heart attack, the doctor decided on a change. The joke being that she's buxom and his heart couldn't take it. Oh, he's... Uh... Yeah, we haven't really seen like the, I love when he has like the little machine that's connected yeah. to his heart and it flashes. It just buzzes. So yeah, I, I was wondering. I, we see that a little bit later on where he's talking to her, remembers who she is, and you know starts patting his chest because he's uh, overtaken. <laughs> um, yeah. I was wondering when the nurse comes, but he doesn't get his nurse until season six. So I think we're ah. gonna have to wait a while for some of those nurse jokes and the, the heart monitor. And it's funny because I, I looked online that this is the third episode, and there's only four more this season. The whole year they did seven episodes, which is not very much. Yeah, well, this is this is a shorter season. I think like we got like eight or nine episodes in season three, but this is one of the shorter ones. Um, Mr. Harmon barges into Mr. Rumble's office singing his signature song, Rolling Around the World. Uh, Thank you, Gladys. And every time that we meet Mr. Harmon in future episodes, he's going to introduce himself with this song. Yeah, so this is like, I think he carries this on throughout the rest of the series, right? Every single time. I believe so, yeah. So I did a lot of digging around about this. I'm so excited. Um, I, you know, walking around the other day, I was like, okay, we're doing forward Mr. Granger. Like, what do I want to talk about? And the, I instantly watched the episode, and he, there he's singing, rolling around the world, looking for the sunshine. And I thought, what is that song? So I did me a bit of Googling, as you do, and um, very, very little online about the song. So I Googled, are you being served, Mr. Harmon, rolling around the world? And I swear, if you go and look on Google yourself, Almost every single thing is, does anyone know what that song is from Are You Being Served, Mr. Harmon Sings? <laughs> and it's all from like 2001, you know, like really old forums and stuff. So what I dug up, I think maybe this will be the official internet fact session. So hopefully the world points to our podcast and we become famous and rich. Um, the song was written in 1927 by a guy named Scott Sanders, like the Colonel Sanders, because okay. I'm starving. Um, <laughs> um, so this is what I think happened. So we're 1976, right? The bicentennial year. 
So I discovered a woman named Mrs. Mills, and I doubt anyone in the States have heard of her. So Mrs. Mills was a woman who was um, kind of a, um, a, a sing-song party piano player. So if you think of like, I don't know, like a pub in the 50s or 60s, there's probably a piano and people would probably come in, have a couple of drinks and someone would play these like honky tonk kind of fun, energetic little songs. And um, Mrs. Mills was like this, you know, kind of older lady. She was very square. She wasn't hip at all. So she wore like old lady dresses kind of stuff. And she was probably in her like late 50s or so, which at the time was quite elderly. Right. But anyway, yeah, so she is from East London, this woman. And Mr. Harmon's character is also from East London. Okay. Right? So if you think of, like, pub culture and, like, you go into a pub and you hear sing songs and everyone starts singing along and the, there's a person at the, at the piano. Yep. So Mrs. Mills was a household name, like, in the 60s. So... Another throwback to the episode, we talked about the Beatles getting back together. When the Beatles got together in, like, 1963, they went to Abbey Road Studios and started recording, and they met Mrs. Mills there. So there's, like, a connection. Kind of cool. But anyway, so long story kind of short, there's a record from 1970 of Mrs. Mills, I think it's called, like, Piano Hits or something. And it's all, like, instrumental kind of, like... 1920s songs, you know, okay. uh, of her playing it just on a piano. And one of the songs on a 1970 record is Rolling Around the World. The fact that I think Arthur English knows his character. I don't know if he himself was from the East End, but I think it was a very, like, East End identifying kind of thing, this song. Okay. Very optimistic. Um, and another Beatles thing, um, I know I'm going on. Um, <laughs> there's a piano in Abbey Road, which is still there today, which is called the Mrs. Mills Piano. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So it's famous because it's the one she played on that 1970 record. And I think a lot of people who are like kind of against rock and roll back in the 60s and 70s, you know, it wasn't like an, everyone liked it. Some people didn't. Right. So if you didn't, you probably knew who Mrs. Mills was and stuff. Um, it's a honky-tonk kind of like twangy sound. And if you're a Beatles fan, there's a song called Lady Madonna. Um, what's the song about that Ringo sings? Um, Get by with a little help from my friends, like Sgt. Pepper stuff. Anytime you hear the honky-tonk kind of piano from the Beatles, like 66 and afterwards, it's from that same piano that Mrs. Mills played, which I think Arthur English heard in 1970. And... He thought, okay, that's going to be my little song that I, I, I that makes me feel more East East Ender. Got it. Of. Okay, it's a theory, but I think it I think it'll hold up in court. I mean, I'd buy it for a dollar, so twenty p. <laughs> so Mr. Harmon comes in and he asks if Peacock is on the carpet, uh, which is not Cockney rhyming slang, nor is it Polari. Uh, it just means are you in trouble? Because um, carpet used to mean any kind of fabric covering for furniture. So a tablecloth or a tapestry would also be considered a carpet. And so if there was an important meeting somewhere, they would have their table covered with a cloth. So if you were being brought on the carpet, you were being brought to a meeting that was so important that it had a fancy tablecloth. Oh, that's that's that's, interesting. That's come to mean um, that you're in trouble. Oh, I didn't know that. uh, Mr. Uh, Captain Peacock is certainly not in trouble. Uh, Mr. Rumbold comes in and informs everyone that this is a FIO meeting. Uh, <laughs> where FIO, I think this is one of our very, f- uh, not very first examples, but this is another example of early corporate buzzwords and initialisms, right? Uh, FIO means four year, years only. The secretary leaves and gives Peacock a little bit of a flirtatious look. I think this is the first time that we've had one of the secretaries who's actually interested in flirting back with Peacock. All of the other oh my God, like, you're yeah, right. No, it's my you're coffee so break. Right. I gotta go. So, he's. So I have a question. Have you heard of like someone you've worked with use things like F Y E O? Do people actually do that? Well, I've never heard of F Y E O or FIO as an initialism, but my entire career has been filled with jargon and initialisms and. 
things. Yeah. Like the, the latest one, um, this latest one, which came out without any announcement. You know, I feel like if you're going to come up or be using a new initialism, um, you'd want to put it in context. So there was one that came out this summer that's RTO, which stands for Return to Office. And so this is, it's, it's very um, timely and contextual, but you think you'd want to tell the people this is what this stands for, like the first time, and then have people figure it out. But um, it just kind of made its way out into the working world without any fanfare at all. <laughs> the reason I, uh, there's so many times, like, I'm sure everyone has, like, little words that, like, this has never been explained to me, but everyone's using it, so I should probably figure it out. <laughs> I, but e- even more on the opposite side of that, I once worked at a place where there was a guy who was, he was, like, a manager, and you could tell he was really trying to, like, go up the food chain, you know? And he would, like, give little speeches and stuff. He was a nice guy. I liked him. But I just noticed that he would use words that have absolutely the least meaning as possible. And he would, like, and he would use them so often, I started to write them down. <laughs> and um, I wrote them down. And I, I'm able to use, like, to kind of regurgitate, like, the words in a different order. And essentially say every little speech he ever made. And I'll do it right now. So it's, it's weird. Um, he used words like, Energy, solutions, fresh models. So I'll just like say them in a sentence and it'll make sense. Um, We're really excited about the models that enable different types of energy to give the promise of position solutions for different types of partnerships for a fresh approach. (laughs) Like, what the hell does that mean? And he would say that stuff and you could do it again and just reorder the words. It was crazy. So don't use acronyms. Welcome to corporate speak. Hello. Well, these acronyms are meant to save time. (laughs) I see you are. We're not going to start that again, are we? Uh, So (laughs) Rumbold is breaking the news that he's going off to Swansea for a month for a sales and managerial seminar. Where did young Mr. Grace cough up the money to send Rumbold away for an entire month for a managerial seminar? I'm sure it was like some like, they'll, they'll pay for his way or something. But... I don't know. Rumbold can't be the only manager in the entire store that's going. You'd think that they'd be sending more, and they're going to have h- half the managers out of the store? Well, I'm looking up. It was a boardroom. It was a boardroom-level decision. Boardroom-level right? decision. So, um, Which is the first time they did it in this episode, wasn't it? No, he's, think... done, he's done it before. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I was about to get Gladys already. Uh, um, Captain Peacock takes, uh, thinks that Rumbold is quitting, and he's like ready to send him you know, off on his way. <laughs> but then when he realizes that he's only gone for a month, Peacock still thinks that he's the one who's taking over. But Rumbold has to break the news that Granger is the one who's taking over. Uh-huh. Um, Peacock is visibly upset, um, and Rumbold tries to reassure him, well, no... Captain Peacock, you are the natural heir, and you'll take over in 10, 15, 20 years' time. Um, (laughs) But it turns out that they've chosen Granger because it's going to qualify him for a higher pension, which is unusual for this company, isn't it, Mr. Brandon? It is, Mr. Jeff. It is. It is. It is. So I don't know if it's like maybe it's a government scheme that that pays for the pension rather than the company because – Young Mr. Grace is blowing money left (laughs) and right here. On yachts. uh, He needs money for his yachts and those ladies. Yeah, that um, is unusual. I don't know. Back over on the floor, uh, Mrs. Slocum lets us know that her pussy is just like an alarm clock. And it seems a little cheap to have a pussy joke without any context, right? It's pretty much cut back to the floor, and Mrs. Slocum starts off with this. It seemed a little odd to me. I think the uh, audience would probably kind of feel let down if she doesn't talk about tittles. Maybe, I guess so. Because they're I, all cat lovers in, in Britain? I guess so, but I, because they're cat lovers. They um, are. But I feel like most of her pussy jokes have a kind of run-up. You know, if you think about your comedic formula, set up, oh, yeah. set, set, up set up punchline. And yeah. this was straight to the punchline. There was no kind of setup for it. So, maybe they had an unexpected tea break and forgot to write that part. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Mm. So, um... Captain Peacock comes back to the floor and has to, um, you know, give everyone the news or, or um, uh, say that you gather Mr. Rumbold around. And so uh, Mr. Humphreys and Mr. Lucas um, respond. They're free, and they kind of both mince over. Uh, Lucas is kind oh of God, mimicking yes. the way that Mr. <laughs> Humphreys is uh, 
is walking. It was so cute. It was like, I like that Mr. Lucas or, you know, the writers or the actor or whatever, but the character is like so confident in, him, in himself that he doesn't, he's not afraid of looking like he might be gay like Mr. Humphreys. Right. Which I have to say is like a 13, 14 year old little gay boy. I was like, that's cool. You know, it wasn't like anyone ever scorned Mr. Humphreys about being gay. Right. And in fact, Mr. Lucas kind of like joined in the fun in a way, you know? Yeah. Yay. So, Rumbold comes out to the floor to make the announcement, and uh, Mr. Granger is asleep in his chair, which is hysterical. <laughs> so cute. He's going to get promoted to manager of the department, and he's <laughs> asleep on the job. Yeah. Um, so, um, they send Mr. Humphreys over to wake him up, as he always does. You know, are you free, Mr. Granger? And with that, he... Um, and he jumps up. He That's jumps so up. Um, I think in one of the earlier episodes, I think... They or they got his attention by saying like you left oh you've left your wallet on the counter, <laughs> uh, uh, which also got his attention to to come back right. Yeah. So yeah. Mr. Rumbold makes the announcement and Peacock has to feign surprise because um, they can't let everyone know that it's just a scheme to get uh, Granger the, uh, the 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 pension, and he is a very bad actor. Oh my god! What it's so are you sure? Really? Good gracious me? What a surprise. Gesticulating like the the the, the unknowingness and, and surprise. Yeah. It's hard for actors to act like they can't act, if that makes sense. Right. I, I love it when um Mr. Mr. Rumbold explains that it's actually not Mr. Captain Peacock, it's Mr. Granger. And then <gasps> they I all love, gasp. No. And I love it how Captain Peacock like feigns surprise and he says, What? And he pulls his hands back, kind of like a little puppy dog. <laughs> so funny. It's so stupid, but it's cute. I, I really like it. It's sweet. Yeah. Oh. So, um, so uh, Mr. Granger has to go into Rumble's office to get set up and have like an introductory meeting or anywhere. Uh, he gives Mr. Humphreys his measuring tape since he won't be needing it for the month, which is, I think, kind of sweet. And mm. then Lucas says, glass of water for Captain Peacock, <laughs> which is great. And um, Captain Peacock is upset. Like, his, he starts moving that way that Granger moves. Like, you see, like, his tiny, tiny jowls start to, I do not require a glass of water, Mr. Lucas. <laughs> uh, and, you know, while it may indeed seem strange that Granger is promoted, there is a reason why. And he starts tapping the side of his nose. Ah, yes. And so what Mr. Lucas says is, oh, it's because you're Jewish. So that bit is no, only I didn't available, see that today it's only available it. on the DVD. It's not on the BritBox version. It's been something that has been censored out. Oh, so okay. before we get to why it's been censored out, um, tapping the side of your nose is a, um, is a well-known s- sign of secrecy in the Commonwealth, right? Right. Um, we think about... Um, Think about uh, Absolutely Fabulous. There's that bit in, I think, season four or five where uh, Bubble tells um, Lulu oh, that yeah, she Bubble. tells she tells Lulu that she uh, all of her clients should get the, the thing. Oh, I'm leaving trade secret. And they tap the nose, right? Right, yeah. So here's probably why this was edited out of uh, the BritBox and most of the 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 wide um, uh, disseminated versions is that anti-Semitism is actually a huge problem in the UK, a lot bigger problem than it is in the States. Whoa, I didn't know that. You know, from what I know from my friends that are living over there that that are Jewish, it is um, something that everyday people also face in their daily lives. Uh, Damn. That they, they, do, they do get a lot of it. There are um, synagogues and temples that are defaced on a regular basis. But um, it's, it's a lot bigger problem than it is here in the States. So that's probably one of the reasons why, this, um, why that joke was cut. Yeah, I mean, it kind of goes back this whole idea of the official keeper of the show, which is the BBC, selectively slicing out stuff that... You know, we talked about a lot in different episodes, especially with uh, Mr. Kato episode where the Japanese tourist comes in and we had that fabulous conversation with um, with uh, Julia about it, our special guest host. You know, I, I think this whole conversation about um, that little quick joke that's probably, what, four or five words? Um, 
I was I remember listening to the episode today and I was thinking it feels like this is the episode where that joke is made because they're talking about noses on fingers. I'm like, oh, this is where they say that. And it never happened. And I thought, you know, like and I watched it before we started doing the podcast. I didn't even know exactly where it was. You know, they can slice it very easily and you don't even hear it. And it's sort of like, you know, if if people could take that offensively and one of the things we talked about on the show was do we not watch an episode yeah. where they talk about blackface or do we give it a hell of a lot of 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 context and give some explanation and explain how that's a really um it's sort of a stain on the show but do you never watch the show you know so it's kind of like well here we have an example of the bbc saying we're just going to slice this piece out. Yeah, because you know? be, because it is a, a very sensitive topic. But because it's so sensitive, it was cut. But meanwhile, we have other jokes in this series that are probably at the same level as a big nose joke, like Mr. Cato and credit card and mixing up his R's yeah. and his L's and all of the anti-German slurs that we get. It's that they don't happen to be um, uh, sensitive in the moment. Yeah, and of course, you know, like, no, who is the arbiter who decides what is what? Well, um, honestly, whoever owns the, the rights, I guess, right. you know, they can make the decision. But, um, yeah, I, I think this worked. I think this, this the pit that they, you know, oh, the, is that because you're Jewish? Six or seven words. Slice it out, and then suddenly, like, we can actually focus on the, the, the show that we're actually wanting to focus on instead of now contemplating... 45-year-old um, XYZ. Not to say that that's not something we should look at. You know, time and place, and maybe instead of discussing, you know, Middle East peace politics, people just wanted to watch a TV show. Which, you know, that's not to say that you should never talk about social commentary on TV shows, but... So, um, we, we've, actually, we've actually had a Jewish joke so far in one of the past episodes where... Um, he was, uh, Mr. Humphreys was going to see his solicitors, um, who were like, had like Rabinowitz and Rabinowitz, like, you know, very obvious, like Jewish names and that he couldn't bring his pork pie hat because the joke is that the pork isn't kosher. And I think that in the future, we're probably going to get a couple of Jewish jokes with Mr. Goldberg, who probably, you know, makes them being very self, self-deferential. Um, but it's just really, you know, just really interesting to see, um, the evolution of the comedy, uh, not only as the series uh, progresses, but also as time goes on 45-ish years later. All of this talk about things and stuff has made me rather thirsty for some tea. What about you, Jeff? I concur. So um, why don't we head on down to the canteen for a tea break? Let's do it. We'll be right back. Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag? Or an official podcast sofa pillow. Perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Does Suit Madam merch. All at imfree.threadless.com imfree.threadless.com And you've all done very well. Okay, hey, we're back from the canteen. I had a glass, no, I had a little cup of tea, and I decided to um, stick it to Mr. Granger, and I put all of the sugar cubes in there. What did you get? <laughs> what did you get, Jeff? Well, I was, I was feeling it was 5 o'clock somewhere, and so I asked the manageress to make me a whiskey and soda, not to drown it, but she put too much water in it. So and she must have been hanging out with down. that nameless secretary of uh, Mr. Rumbold. So. I guess so. Anyway, speaking of uh, Mr. Rumbold. 
So later that day, young Mr. Grace calls down to his office for him, but his secretary says, well, he's already gone. He's already left for the conference in Swansea. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Granger is, is taking his place, but he's up in accounts asking for a raise. So, you know, uh, congratulations to Mr. Granger for not missing a beat not and, getting time. That, <laughs> and getting that extra money, right? Yeah. So uh, Mr. Harmon is on the floor, and he is bringing the executive drinks trolley in for Granger. Ooh. We start to see one of the perks that um, middle management start to get. It's good to be the king. It's good to, apparently. So um, Mr. Smo- Slocum, Mrs. Slocum goes to ask Captain Peacock um, to, for permission to leave the floor because she wants to go to Granger's office to ask for uh, some time off because her roots need doing. And congratulations to the wig department for picking a wig that had visible roots, which was great. I know. <laughs> and Peacock says, well, sure, you can go in after me. I'm going to ask for an hour off myself. So they're saying that they think they've got friends in high places and they're going to be able to benefit from it. Um, uh, Mr. Slocum says it's useful to have a friend in the camp. And Mr. Humphreys hears the word camp. And I've always found that to be the case. You know, picks up <laughs> on that, which is great. Oh, we, God. we cut, we cut into Mr. Granger's office and he's smoking a cigar, feet up on the desk Having a whiskey and soda, he instructs the secretary, well, don't drown it, because she's dispensing it from an old-fashioned doesn't, siphon. Doesn't he look like um, Winston Churchill in this scene? He does. He's he wearing, does. like, a little black suit. He has a cigar. And he tells the secretary to have her skirt altered. And she's like, oh, how much longer do you want it? Make it shorter. Make it shorter. The, <laughs> the audience erupts in laughter, right? Because <laughs> this is, uh, we never see uh, Granger ogling women in the same way that we do with Peacock and Lucas. Uh, And we also don't see this bold side of him. He's usually a little bit soft-spoken, except when he's battling with Mrs. Slocum. Absolute power corrupts, absolutely. In general, his demeanor is very kind of baseline. And then we just see him, like, it goes to his head immediately. So Captain Peacock comes in for his meeting with Mr. Granger, and Granger says, well, I can't offer you a drink because it's not allowed for junior staff. Oh, my God. And Peacock's a little offended by that. Um, and I love and that so he's he, like, Stephen, how are you? And he shakes his hand, and Captain Peacock's like, I've not changed since this morning, you know. Right. It hasn't, you haven't been in this position that long. <laughs> um, Captain Peacock informs Mr. Granger, he doesn't ask him, but he informs him that he's going to be leaving an hour early today to take care of some domestic arrangements. Oh, an hour early? No, 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 no. Uh, Granger refuses because he's got to think of the whole of Grace Brothers in his new role. And I guess if he let one person have an hour off, he'd have to let everyone have an hour off. I have to think of the store. So something yeah. that's really special to me about this scene, and it's very – if, if, if you haven't watched the show, we always recommend folks to go watch the episode and then listen to the, ep, to the, the, the podcast. So if you're, on, if you're looking on the screen and you see the scene where Captain Peacock is looking towards Mr. Granger and you see the back of Mr. Uh, Captain Peacock's back, if you look on the surface of the, of the um, desk – you see um, there's like, I don't know, like an old inkwell, like two round circles kind of in the middle, and those probably just ornament, uh, ornamental. But on the right, so on Captain Peacock's right side, there's an ashtray facing Captain Peacock on the right in the shape of a ship, like a galleon ship. And it looks sort of like some abstract art or something. If on camera, it looks kind of pointy and weird. But... Unless I'm mistaken, I actually own that prop from uh, Are You Being Served? What? I know. I'm very famous. What can I say? Um, on eBay, every now and then I'll go and like look up I Love Lucy props or like some random TV show just to see what's out there. And I looked up Are You Being Served prop and there it was. And it was in, in England somewhere. And I don't remember where it was. But the ad said um, it was... Someone's someone's family member was was a prop guy at the BBC, and they picked it up. and It and on the back of this, it, it looks exactly like the thing. And I'll I'll post it on our Facebook page. But um, it looks exactly like the one on the TV show. And on the back of it, it has like some like old seventies like fabric tape, 
Like, have you ever seen, like, super old tape on stuff? Like, sometimes yep. it's made of fabric. It says, Grace Brothers Galleon Ship Ashtray on it. And um, I've never seen anything else like it online ever. I can't even find a photo of this thing. But it does say 1940s on it. So, and of course, I went to Washington and I asked the people at the National Archives, like, how do you protect things? And they said, <laughs> well, we'll connect you with this company. So in the middle of my, my home, I have, uh, it rises up from the floor on a fully loose sight uh, plexiglass kind of thing. So in case there's like a burglar, there's all these lasers and things for security. If, there's a, if I'm panicking and I'm, I'm worried about it, I can press a button, it lowers into the floor just like the U.S. Constitution. So it is well protected, unanimous. <laughs> Do not worry. That's great. A, a piece of Are You Being Served history on loan from the Mr. Brandon collection. It's weird to see it on the episode. I'm like, oh, I know what that is. <laughs> it could be a, 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 a fluke and the, you know, I'm sure there's like a caper out there who's like greedily counting their money and twirling their mustache. I think it was like 30 bucks too. It wasn't like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So, um, Captain Peacock is not getting the time off and he slams his door on the way out. He's really upset. He gets back to the floor and realizes he needs to regain his composure. So he pretends that he didn't need the time off after all. And Mrs. Silkham says, oh, you know, can I go in next? Oh, with pleasure. Because <laughs> he knows that she's also going to get denied. He's so mean. And anytime that anyone can um, uh, take joy in any little setback that Mrs. Silkham has, they're going to do it. Right? Poor typical, Mrs. Typical um, schadenfreude here, right? So um, she doesn't even get a chance to go in there because Granger comes out to review the gentleman's sales books. Uh, Mrs. Slocum tries to interrupt, and Granger orders her back to her counter. Ooh, uh, and she gives I, I, him a look, doesn't she? She, she? she demands, she's like, don't tell me what to do. Well, you can choose to go behind your counter, or you could go upstairs for your cards. So getting your cards is um, a UK expression for getting fired, right? Because you'll get a form that's called a P45 form, mm -hmm. uh, and in the States we'd call that a pink slip. Um, because yeah. if you think about like old-fashioned carbon copy triplicate, the first copy was white, the second copy was yellow, and then the third copy was pink. And when you were going to get fired, they'd give you the third copy. They're going to keep anyway. the two nicest ones for themselves. <laughs> You're right. leaving. They're going to give you the pink one. <laughs> so Mr. Granger comments that Mr. Humphreys is down on his usual total in his book, and Humphreys has the perfect groveling response. Well, without your usual support, it's only to be expected. And he does grovel, Granger, doesn't he? Granger dismisses it a little bit. And then we get to Lucas's book, and Mr. Granger starts to sound a little bit like a teacher, speaking very clipped, um, very uh, stereotypical ways that a teacher would say, very messy, figures not clear, handwriting bad, Have you must how, do like, better. He, he says, like, um, something, at one point he says, when I'm standing here... You know, he doesn't say here or, you know, I know it's, it's an American accent, but um, figure's not clear. Like he's very, <laughs> and when I, so I was listening, I ran an errand today and I was ringing around and I actually have the audio of these episodes on my iPhone so I can listen to it like it's a podcast. I know I'm a, I'm a nerd, but um, when I was listening to this episode today and we got to the scene where he says, very messy, figure's not clear, handwriting bad, must do better. I swear to God, I pictured Emperor Palpatine from Star Wars. Because <laughs> when you picture him, like, saying, let the hate run through you. Um, what else does he say? I can't remember. Um, I, I'm the wrong person to ask. Do it. I've ever I don't seen. know. Whatever he said. But I, I, they, they sounded exactly the same. So next time you're watching this episode, close your eyes and picture, like, an old gray man with a hood. And <laughs> it's kind of a, a weird thing I noticed today. Um, Mr. Granger finally gets back to Mrs. Slocum to see what she wanted. Uh, she asks for an hour off, and he says, Nope, not in the firm's time. Well, my hair grows in the firm's time. When am I going to get it done then, you silly old goat? The height of insults. The height of insults is, uh, in British humor, must be calling people after animals, because turkey, remember, is a big insult as well if we... From the last episode. Oh, yes. You will have plenty of time next week. 
You're discharged. Oh, no. Granger returns to his um, office. Humphreys and Lucas give him the Nazi salute, which, if we're going to cut out a Jewish nose joke, you're still going to leave a Nazi salute in? Doesn't seem to sum up to me, but anyway. Um, The next morning, all the staff arrive as the bell goes off, and they're running down the stairs to sign in. Um, It's cute to see them all, like, rush really quickly. Peacock is late because he had to grab a coffee at Beppo's. And Granger is upset because oh, we he warned wor- them well, hold all. Hold on a minute. We were worried about Beppo's having been closed. Oh, that's Remember? true. Yeah. So I guess they reopened. Beppo's is back in business, baby. Good. We were worried about you, Beppy. Welcome back, Beppo. <laughs> so just as Mr. Granger is ready to start yelling at them, uh, the lift door is open and Mr. Rumbold is back. Yay. It turns out that the uh, Swansea Hotel had a water tank burst, which meant that uh, the seminar is canceled, and Mr. Granger is back to his old job behind the counter. Uh, so the staff are a little Awkward. bit pleased about that, right? Uh, Peacock takes the cigar out of his mouth and stomps on it. Mrs. Slocum takes his executive bowler off and stomps on it. It's, that was and a then, beautiful image of seeing her, like, jump up and down, and she misses the boulder one, bowler once, and then she steps on it again. And yeah. That must have been very fulfilling, I guess. Uh, Mr. Humphreys gives back uh, Mr., uh, uh, the measuring tape in a really kind of sad way. And then he takes out his hanky and gives it to uh, Mr. Granger to blow his nose. Yeah, it was so cute. He's he, on the verge of tears. Yeah, he, it's like he turns into like mother. And I notice he does that a lot in this episode. Um, like I think when um, Mr. Granger is about to go to his new office, he's sort of like, come on then. Don't forget your spare teeth. You know, go on. You have to go. <laughs> bah, bah, bah. And... Um, as he's realizing he's just been really mean to all of his friends and now he's one of them again, he's all distraught and downtrodden and everyone's been kind of mean to him, like stomping on his cigar and his hat. And then Mr. Humphreys walks up and says, come on then, and pulls out his hanky from his top pocket. Blow. It's so cute and it's so like matronly and caring, which is Mr. Humphreys. I love him. So the scene ends with Mr. Granger just having blown his nose, looking a little bit sad and kind of runny-nosed. And then we cut to the canteen, and Mr. Granger is still sad-faced, right? Probably the saddest we've ever seen Mr. Granger. He looks like a, a, um, a puppy dog. What, what kind of um, a, a bulldog? A basset hound. Basset dog. Yeah, basset hound, bulldog. Just a sad old dog who's yeah. not had a good day. He tries to apologize to his friends, but they all ignore him. Uh, he asks for the sugar bowl, and Slocum passes it all the way to the other end of the table, just to spite him, right? Mm. So they each take yeah. a bit. She spitefully dumps the rest of the sugar in her coffee and hands Granger the empty bowl. <laughs> so mean. <laughs> uh, to which Mr. Granger asks, I'm not being sent to Coventry, am I? Uh, and so that's uh, the UK term for, we call it the silent treatment in the U.S., that's a, a callback to our sponsor of our show, of this yeah. episode, isn't it? So, uh, in the 18th century, Coventry was the nearest town to London that was outside of the London police jurisdiction. Um, so, if you were a if you were a thief that was trying to abscond away, the nearest place you could go was Coventry, and so that's how the origin of the term. Being sent to Coventry. So, so being sent to Coventry is analogous of like someone who's being ostracized or blackballed or, right. you know, like ignored. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder if the people of Coventry love that phrase or do they actually kind of hate it? <laughs> I don't know. Any <laughs> listeners for Coventry, let us know. Yeah, let us know. <laughs> so, after he realizes that he has been sent to Coventry, uh, Mr. Granger says as he gets up and walks away, coffee is bad for the heart anyway, especially an empty, broken heart. Oh. And Mr. Humphrey starts bawling. <laughs> I can't stand it anymore. <laughs> oh, which is, Mr. Humphrey. Which is really hysterical to see him uh, overreact this way. They all feel guilty. Yeah, I'll just say the begin- beginning of the scene that I mentioned in the very f- beginning of the episode of, of the podcast, um, the last scene closes with a zoom in of Mr. Granger looking all distraught. And then the second scene opens up with the camera zoomed in on him and pulls away. And as the camera pulls away, 
they show Mr. Humphreys looking in the opposite direction, and then Mrs. Slocum looking in the opposite direction, like very defiantly. It's a beautiful little picture. Um, it's, it's really super cute. Um, poor Mr. Granger. I feel bad for yeah. him. Mrs. Slocum says, I feel so sorry for him, the rotten old bastard. It's <laughs> 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 great. Uh, Lucas lets us all know that he paid for the bowler and the coat with the fur collar out of his holiday money. And to which Miss Lucum says, you know, don't make me feel worse. And she throws herself on the table in grief. Right. So they all make up their mind. They're going to they're going to forgive him. And Mr. Rumbold comes to the table and says, oh, you know what? They're moving the um, seminar to Edinburgh. So everything's back as it were with Mr. Granger on charge. Uh oh. Uh, someone takes a look at their watch and they realize they're late back from lunch and they all run for the door. So and what's cute is it's, it's Captain Peacock who does it, right? Which is, it's, it's weird to see him like, he's the first one to kind of maintain that dignity that gentlemen will walk but never run and all of this. And he's the first one to like dash down his coffee and dash out the door, you know, which is funny, yeah. even funnier to see. So they get back on the floor. They're scrambling down the stairs. Mr. Granger with his old sour pusses. You're late. You're five minutes late. I want to see you all in my office right away. And they're all kind of scared. And then all of a sudden his demeanor changes on a dime. Yeah. Well, don't look so miserable. I was going to offer you a drink. Yay. And once again, they all run into his office just in case he changes his mind. (laughs) And they want to have some alcohol. And that's the episode. The end. Yay. That's a cute one. Yeah, it had a really nice happy ending. Uh, very sw- you know, swing of emotions here. Yeah, and you know, it's weird because as I mentioned um, when I listened to Mr. Rumble like, sound like Emperor Palpatine, um, come to the dark side. <laughs> um, I was listening to it and it reminded me when I was young. I, mean, I, I noticed like, at the end of every episode on the podcast, I have this like, thing where I want to explain my memory of the episode. Maybe that's a thing we do. I don't know. Um, but for some reason, when I was a kid, I remember listening to these episodes more than watching them, if that makes any sense. Because back then, I had a shortwave radio from Radio Shack that you could listen to literally radio stations from around the world, which, you know, in the right. time before the internet was like magic, right? Yeah, absolutely. So yep. shortwave radio, if you're not aware, it's just like AM, FM, and there's this other thing called shortwave, which you can broadcast around the world. It, the radio stations reflect off the atmosphere, so you can get stuff from England and whatever. So um, anyway, I had this shortwave radio, and back in Arkansas, if you turn it to the FM station and go all the way to the very beginning of the dial and, like, just move your, your, the, the tuner just a little bit, it would tune itself into the audio of the local PBS station. So every okay. night at 10 o'clock... Monday through Friday, I would like just listen. I think I maybe like would take a walk around the block or something and just walk around the neighborhood as a kid. And I would at 10 listen. o'clock at night. Well, you know, it was a small little town. It's all good. It's all good. But I would listen to Are You Being Served like every night for years. So it was weird listening to it today. And I'm like, why do I know the like what they're going to say? Like I didn't watch the VHS copies I made that often. And I realized that's right. I used to listen to it all the time when I was a kid. So it's kind of fun to do that after all these years. So what are we going to talk about next week? Well, this one's called fire practice and this is an, a really good one. Cause um, I think uh, all of the staff, well about half the staff anyway, is all titillated by these dishy firemen in the, in the office, aren't they? There's a big tube with Mrs. Slocum coming through it. I recall. And don't we get, um, don't we get a lot of Arab stereotypes as well? Do we? I don't remember. I think this is the one where the sheik comes in offering the belly dancer and the goat in exchange for the suit. Uh, well, we'll certainly find out next week, won't we? We'll find out next week. Mm. So thank you for listening, Unanimous. Uh, if you want to be like our super fans and get a shout out or maybe even be a guest host on the podcast... Um, you can get in touch with us on Facebook or Twitter, or you can write us an old-fashioned email at that does suit madam with an e at gmail.com, or you can even call the hotline Da-da-da-da. at 662-PEACOCK. That's 662-732-2625. That's right. And if you folks are a doodler or an artist, if you have oil paintings or um, 
a big ballpoint pen for that matter. If you want to uh, help us out with the Are You Being Served clue-like board game that we're doing, um, draw what you can and uh, shoot us an email. Just take a photo with your iPhone or something. And that's all we need, so that'll be fun. So thanks, Unanimous, and you've all, you've all done, done very well. well. See you next time. Bye! That Does Suit Madam is not endorsed by the BBC, and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are You Being Served is a copyrighted program of the BBC. Lost Ticket pays maximum rate.